Ever have one of those weird mornings where just like nothing can go right, but in the end it works out okay? Did it ever happen to you? Well, that was kind of what today's like. And we're going to make sure that this show ends up right because we can't have any more issues than we had on the live version of Datitude. So we're going to have fun with the recorded podcast version of Datitude, and you're going to come along for the ride. And it's all coming up next. Garland Gillen's joining us. Michael Thomas, we're going to go with the Saints offensive line woes, the injuries, are they getting back on the men, the local media going gaga again, and LSU and Tulane talk, all in the matter of, I don't know, 45 minutes or so. Can't wait, can you? Good, you don't have to wait anymore. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of datitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends elsewhere who are... No, I'm not, you know what? I'm, I was going to say some stupid weather comment. Just hello to my friends. That's good enough. If you're here and you're listening, whether it's the first time or the 161st time, you're my friend. We thank you for joining us. This is Datitude, as I said, episode number 161 for a Friday, August the 18th, 2023. And I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times-Picayune, the advocate at bet.nola.com. Back to the intro, what I said. Again, this morning has been so freaking weird i mean so weird i mean we have gone through all these live episodes and actually even before we were live and i was you know you set up as we before we use we use a program now called Streamyard to do everything because it's a lot easier for shows and to have live people on uh, to people on live uh we and if you don't know we do a live show every friday at 10 a.m we do a live show uh with usually some local media guests or someone in the know from the local area. Sometimes it's a national thing. We've had national people on the show, people that don't live, whatever. You get it. But uh, anyway, before we did the show live, we did it on stream. We taped it on stream here for a little bit, but mostly the first, I don't know, year or so, we used Zoom. And not once, not one guest. Now, not every show has had a guest, but most of them have. So not once in 161 episodes have we ever had it to where either a person, a guest didn't show up or had issues to where they couldn't record. We had little little blips here and there where the recording went out, but never an issue where someone just, they couldn't make it happen. So not to call out my friend Garland Gillen, but... Um, you know, he thought everything was fine. He's got a new Wi-Fi set up in his office, and he was going to be on the show from his office this morning. And uh, to take you behind the scenes, you know, 9.55 is, you know, we start at 10. You have the guests come about 9.55, him in the little quote-unquote virtual green room. Then they come on and they chat, and, you know, we, we hit the live button and we go live. Well, 9.55, he's not in there. and 9.58, he's still not in there. I ask him if he's going to be in there. Well, 9.59 and 45 seconds, 
He clicks on there. The problem is his Wi-Fi is so messed up. Like he's in the background and like he's hearing me 10 seconds later and it's, it's a mess. So if you don't click on, if you don't click on the, uh, the thing within 10 minutes of when you're supposed to start, then it eliminates your show. So it's like 10 08 and I'm like, we got to go. And so I hit the button and man, so I went solo. It's one thing to go solo, like on this monologue, when you know you're going solo um, and you can prepare yourself mentally. But when you think you're going to have a guest and you're really not going to do much of the talking, your guest is going to do most of the talking and that's in your mind. Yeah, well, I wasn't ready for that. Okay, so let's just say that I kind of fumbled a little bit. I'll admit it. So for about 15 minutes before he could figure out where to get, uh, I think, he, well, not think, I know. He ended up in the studio itself. The morning shows had been ended, and he went in the, the studio, and poor Nakondra Norwood, uh, the, uh, the meteorologist for Fox 8 does a wonderful job in the mornings over there. Uh, she, uh, she had to listen to Garland talk to me for 40 minutes. I'm sure that was a lot of fun for her. But she actually ends up coming on the show. Uh, you know how I like to talk. You know, I'm, I'm Minnie Nash Roberts. I like to proclaim myself. Uh, I'm a self-proclaimed meteorologist. So I like to talk about the weather sometimes, a lot of times. And uh, so we had her on the show. So it's actually Garland Gillen and Nicondra Norwood on the show today. Uh, she'll make her appearance toward the end. Weird morning. Anyway, he finally came on. Everything was right with the world. We talked about everything we wanted to talk about. And uh, I got him to make a prediction on the LSU-Florida State game. Uh, I asked him why Tulane was so low in the rankings. I thought number 24 was ridiculous. Uh, they finished number nine last year. Uh, they came into the season. Sure, they lost Tajay Spears, but they're bringing back a, most of their defense. I think four or five offensive linemen are back. Uh, they have Ashad Clayton and Iverson Celestine at running back. Michael Pratt, the quarterback. Your quarterback is back. So... If your quarterback is back, four of your five offensive linemen are back. You have an easier schedule, um, except maybe in the beginning. And your defense is mostly intact, and you have two really good running backs. Why are you number 24? I don't get it. There's not 23 teams better than Tulane in college football. It's just not. So uh, maybe I'll be proven wrong. We'll see. But I didn't get it. So we asked Garland. He is an AP football voter. Uh, college football voter. We asked him where he put Tulane and why he thinks they were so low. Uh, that's all coming up. And then, um, you know, we did, uh, we've been doing the NFL team previews, or I have been, do a team a day, uh, go division by division. Each week is a different division. And this week was the NFC East. So we wrapped up the NFC East with the Washington Commanders today. And, uh, you know, uh, so we're halfway through. 16 out of 32 teams. We got 16 down, 16 to go. The last team will be the New Orleans Saints on September the 8th. Uh, I'm not ready to give my prediction on them just yet. But uh, the report out, Jeff Duncan in a column this morning, uh, talks about Michael Thomas and uh, that NFL coaches, unnamed NFL coaches, at this uh, at their joint practices with the Chargers out in Costa Mesa, California, are talking about how he looks slower. He's having trouble getting off the line of scrimmage. Um, and for Dunk to say anything negative at all about anyone and to write a story that's negative about anyone uh, just goes to show, to me, it's probably bigger than it's being played up. Garland backs Michael Thomas, and I'm not 
dissing on Michael Thomas. I haven't seen really enough one way or the other. Um, and I can give a judgment later when I see more. But um, it is a cause of concern. If Michael Thomas can't be your number two receiver, I think it's a cause for concern. There's no doubt Chris Olave is the number one receiver. I mean, no one's questioning that. Um, but is Michael Thomas going to be your number two? I think it's important that he is. Um, and it's important that he plays in 15, 16, 17 games for this team. Jawan Johnson is going to be a, a key piece of this puzzle. Um, sort of like Derek Carr is Darren Waller the last few years. Foster Morrow has been a big piece for him as well the past few years. Obviously, coming to New Orleans, that helps. Michael Thomas still, to me, has got to be number two for this team to be successful. The Saints offensive line, we talk about that. Um, there's an Andrus Pete sighting yesterday. He was in uniform. But does that give me warm and fuzzy feelings that he's ready to play again? Well, he didn't practice. So we're now we're at 17 straight days now he hasn't practiced. You could say it's a big deal or not a big deal. It's preseason. It doesn't make a difference. It does make a difference to me. If a guy's not in there practicing during camp, it's a big deal. He got hurt on July the 31st. We're now on August 18th, and I still haven't seen him back practice. But he wore his uniform. Who cares? I can go put on a Drew Brees jersey. doesn't mean I'm going to be able to play quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. I don't really give a damn if they put on a jersey. That's got to mean they're close. Uh, I ain't buying it till I see it. So my point about Andrus Pete is, and I'm not going to get on the whole soapbox again because I've talked about this for three weeks now. But if he's not in there, he doesn't have to start. But if he's not able to play, even if he doesn't start, he's clearly going to play a bunch. You didn't pay $54 million over the course of four years or whatever it is, whatever his contract is. I don't have spoke track uh, in front of me right now. But the point is, James Hurst at left guard, if he has to play left guard all the time, takes away a ton of versatility. So if Anders Pete isn't out there and isn't healthy and isn't able to play, it's a problem. Is it going to be a problem? We'll find out soon enough. Still three weeks before the, actually a little more than three weeks before the start of the regular season on September the 10th. So not throwing out panic buttons. I'm just saying be mindful. Watch this. Meanwhile, Demario Davis, Rashid Shahid, they are not in uniform. Uh, are they going to be ready for the start of the season? It was good to see Kendra Miller was not only back in uniform, but he was actually practicing. So uh, they thought, there were a lot of people who thought, I should say, that he might not be back till the start of the regular season. And the fact that he's back out there practicing is a good sign, obviously. Uh, so the, the Saints cannot afford to have any less depth at running back with Alvin Kamara missing the first three weeks of the regular season. We'll see. Um, and then we get into, again, LSU and Tulane. I told you what I thought about Tulane. LSU-Florida State, to me, the winner of this game has a major, major leg up on... Um, on the race for the playoffs. They'll be talked about all season long. Especially to me, this is a bigger game. You can make an argument either way, but in my opinion, it's an even bigger game for Florida State for the reasoning being that they don't play a ton of really good teams. They're going to play um, Clemson. I don't even know if they play Clemson in the regular season. To be honest. I'm pretty sure they do. Um, so LSU and Clemson. And that's pretty much it for Florida State. So if they can beat LSU, they're already number eight. Um, they'll good chance they'll be undefeated going into the Clemson game. 
And if they win that, I mean, they beat Clemson. Obviously, that's probably going to be for the ACC t- title. I'll get to the ACC title game. Florida State is going to absolutely be in the conversation for the playoffs. To me, this is a team that's not getting talked about enough. And look, I'm not a Florida State fan at all. I've never been. I've never been a Florida State fan. Um, but I think if they can beat LSU, man, that's going to give them a big push into the top five. And conversely, if LSU wins it, I think they move maybe ahead of Alabama even. And I think at some point, if, if LSU beats Florida State, I think at some point in the near future, very near future, LSU will be ahead of Alabama in the AP poll anyway. Another thing Garland Gillen talks about, how he has LSU ahead of Alabama and cut grief for it. So will it, will, it, will it happen early? Will it happen in September? Will it happen in October? I don't know, but I predict that LSU by the end of the season will be ahead of Alabama, and I think it's going to be earlier rather than later. That is going to be a fun game. LSU-Florida State two weeks from Sunday, and that will be played in Orlando um, Camping World Stadium, I believe. One of my neighbors down the street uh, was telling me this morning as we were dropping off our kids at the bus stop, he's going to Orlando. be a fun trip. My big uh, fantasy draft is that weekend, and uh, I don't know. That's a little bit a little bit too much. We've got so much going on. All these NFL teams, I'm telling you, it's NFL team previews. I know you don't want to hear woe is me, but it's they take like five, six hours a piece to do between going through everything and making the graphics and recording it and editing it and getting it ready and putting it up. Take about five to six hours a piece to do. Um, so to say that I'm not looking forward to, I don't know what I was thinking when I, because I said I wasn't going to do it this way. And then I started messing around with some graphics. I'm like, that's pretty cool. And I'm like, let's try it. And then I forget that once you try something, you're pretty much stuck. You can't do, you know, you can't throw the first one out there. The Houston Texans was number one. You can't throw that out there and say, oh, you know what? Never mind. I'm not going to do it. And once you do one, you're pretty much stuck. And then I started a week late because of my vacation when it ended. And so uh, not next week, but the week after, we're doing two teams a day, Tuesday through Friday. So two divisions in one week. I am To say I'm not looking forward to that week is a major understatement because I've already been working like 9 a.m. To, to midnight. Uh, last night I worked till 1 a.m. So I don't know, man. You don't care. I get it. It is what it is. Oh, woe is me. I'll be all right. As my good friend Terry Bakke used to say back when we worked on the desk together, doing page one every night. I'll be okay, Cher. It'll be fine. All right, on to Garland. Let's hear his thoughts on everything that I just talked about and spewed. And again, I'm going to spare you the 14 minutes or so that I was on the air by myself. It was fun. I think we really have Garland Gillen this time. Let's see. Do we really have you this time? You got me, bud. I see you're in the studio, man. They, you, you, you made them leave. No, well, I, I went all over the station to figure out where the heck the best Wi-Fi in this place was. And um, I thought maybe the TV, uh, you know, studio would be great. Uh, luckily, well, we have come this fall, we will have programming from 4 a.m., the 1 p.m. straight, like all Fox 8 pra- programs, really? no, no syndication. So for me to find this empty, you know, space, you got to hold on tight to it because come uh, September, uh, Chevy Latino has a show from 10 to 1130. 
Lee okay. Zerk has Investigate TV. So th- this studio will be like t- on lockdown for nine hours straight come September. So how so. are you going to record all, all your 1030 shows? When are you going to do that in the afternoon? Yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out. Hey, what do you mean record them? It's all live. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Sometimes, yes. We Sometimes we do shows live. Sometimes we tape them. I don't so, want to give uh, any inside information. Sorry, ignore what I just said, people of Datitude. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. Um, all right. No. So, so we're going to – what we've been talking about this morning or what I've been talking about this morning is there's a couple things. The injured players that are key to this team seem – to be for the most part on the men, which is which is good news. So we have a good news, bad news kind of morning. Bad news is I'm not, you know, we, we talk about Michael Thomas and some of the uh, some of the word, you know, what I'm getting out of Jeff. I don't know if you read Jeff Duncan's column this morning. I, I'm glad you brought this up because this has been a running thing all through training camp, and a lot of people that I'm friends with that are non-media are asking me a lot of questions. If you follow some people uh, that cover the Saints. You know, the, the Michael Thomas coverage is a little amped up. You know, you got to – I think Jeff's perfect because you got to, like, you get a different uh, aspect of it. I think sometimes it gets dangerous in the media if you pump up someone too much or a player right. or a team. Sure. And then and then week one comes and this team looks – you know, loses, and everybody's like, well, why even pumping this guy up or this team all camp? And, you know, it, it's – Jeff has given us another side. I think uh, it's a great, a great column because – Yes, Michael Thomas shows flashes of uh, his old self, but he's also got a lot uh, to work on. And, you know, Jeff pointed out both. Because to be very honest, if you read a lot of the coverage, I thought Michael Thomas was having, like, the best day ever. And then Jeff kind of laid it all out different. All I got to watch was I was in the sports office, Sean Fazan, Edwin Good, our photographer out there. And all I got to watch was raw video. I got to see every clip Edwin had. So I can't really get a good gauge, you know, who's getting jammed behind the line of scrimmage. Jeff had bird's eye view. We could see that. So I'm glad Jeff wrote that story because I, I, I thought Michael Thomas did much better. And I will say this, individual drills, yeah, he did win three of four. But also, I, I'll never forget this, uh, the first day of LSU camp this, this summer, we were freaking out because the offense dominated the defense in one-on-ones, receiver, cornerback, like won almost every drill. And yeah. uh, Brian Kelly's like, guys, um, y'all need to calm down. Um, the offense always has the advantage over the defense when you're doing one-on-one wide receiver cornerback. The quarterback has no rush in his face, okay? So y'all need to, like, just back up. So I would say the same when it comes to drills where it's just wide receiver against cornerback. The, the quarterback is not uh, facing a 300-pound guy coming at him full speed. You know, he's sitting back there. He's kind of feeling it out. So, you know, the, the, the one-on-ones can be a little deceiving, but yeah, I will say this: Mike Thomas, he he's not the number one receiver anymore. Okay, well, I think there's I saw, no question about that. Yeah, I, I, Colin Cowherd put out a list of the top ten wide receiver quarterback duos in the NFL. He has Chris Olave, Derek Carr, number five. Okay, so uh, Olave is number one, and to be very honest, Mike T might be number two. I mean, Jawan Johnson is. Yeah, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, though. Colin Cowherd also was talking about a dead quarterback and, and Dwayne Haskins. Oh, wow. uh, a couple. A well, couple we're not gonna. I, I'm, I'm not gonna get into all that foolishness. Yeah, yeah, but my yeah. point is, is that I think Derek Carr and Olave are one of the best duos in the NFL. I agree. It, I agree. Top ten, fifteen, they're in there. And, and Jawan Johnson, it might be the second best option for the Saints. I think Mike T is the third best option. But I will tell you this: five yard, ten yards out uh, from the line of scrimmage, 
he, he's still very reliable. He can use his body. Uh, he can slant the daylights out of a defense. I think he'll get some, he'll get some touchdowns this year. He's not going to get you a lot of yardage. I think, I, I can't remember, I don't think you were on the show. Oh, you know, it was Zach Ewing was on the show, uh, one of your, uh, you know, coworkers. Uh, the over-under at Caesar Sportsbook with Michael Thomas and yards is 725, which, which goes down to 43 yards a game, which doesn't sound like a lot. Mike T's not going to have Taking the same. Andrew. Yeah, he's not going to have crazy numbers, okay, yardage-wise. Now, he, he's going to get some touches, but that's it, just not who he is anymore, okay? Chris Olave's going to take the top off the defense. His over-under total at Caesar Sport, Sportsbook is 1,050 yards, which is like 73 yards per game. That's, that, that you know, over 1,000 yards. Yeah. Michael Thomas, you know, he, he, he's, still, he's still rough. You know, it's just getting back to the main point. It's, it's always good to have numerous sets of eyes in the media watching these prices because you can get different views because sometimes it could sway one way or the other. And, and, and people can maybe point to me. I, I, somebody the other day jumped on me that I had Alabama uh, behind LSU in my rankings. You know, I covered well, you're the right. Well, I, I, I know, but not everybody, you know, some people, you know, there, there's people out there that, are, you know, try to think that, you, you know, I'm trying to look through things with a purple and gold eyes. I just think LSU is better than Bama. But guess what? I'm also uh, not high on the cornerbacks for LSU, and they could definitely lose this opener, okay? I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to, like, pump it all up where LSU oh, absolutely. is. I mean, when you have Zy Alexander and Deuce Chestnut as your starting cornerbacks, one uh, was uh, it had a lot of injuries and now came from Syracuse, who's starting. And the other side got Zy Alexander, who played Southeastern last year. And his backups are Ashton Stamps, a true freshman uh, out of Rummel, and then LaTerrence Welsh, uh, out of Acadiana, who's a redshirt freshman. And then Denver Harris, who's not even on the team right now, is, is, is one of the other cornerbacks who's running third string. I'm really worried about what LSU has a corner because guess what? Florida State has uh, Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson at wide receiver. So uh, that, that, four, that number four ranking that I gave LSU can go away quickly, okay? You got it. You got it. People want to know both sides of the, uh, of, of the table here. And, and, yes, I think LSU is a really good team. But also, I think there's some problems. And you got to do the same thing with the Saints, you know. Well, yes, I was this- not on the final bet, and we're going to get to LSU in a little bit. But uh, before we let you go, but I, I think I've said on final bet that I think Florida State is a top five team. I think LSU and Florida State are p- potentially both top five teams, and whoever wins that game two weeks from Sunday is going to have a massive advantage uh, when it t- when we're talking about playoffs later, especially if it's a Florida State, because really, if they can beat LSU and they can beat a Clemson. Their path to the playoffs is clear. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get to that. I want to ask you a a couple questions. And one thing, my point about Michael Thomas wasn't so much that he needs to be even a number two because he might not be a number two. I agree. Juwan Johnson may end up being the number two receiver for this team. That's very possible. But when it comes to Duncan, Duncan is one of the most positive people that you're ever going to meet, whether it be in his writing, whether it be just – in general, I mean, he'll complain about things here and there. But when you read Jeff Duncan or you have him on the air for anything, he's always going to take the positive road. So for him to even write a semi-negative piece tells me a lot. That was my point, kind of. No, I, he's just making some valid points. And you know what? He was listening to a former coach, okay? As much as I know about football and you know about football and maybe Jeff knows about football, it's always good to have someone who's been in the game to kind of bounce off. Right. And, and this is a former coach that, that Jeff quoted in the story, didn't use his name. But, yeah, Michael Thomas, you know, was getting jammed at the line of scrimmage by a safety, getting pushed back. And, you know, Jeff had to point that out, you know. And, and that's, that's a different point of view that I like to see because I didn't hear that from anywhere else. 
you know, that, you know, his day wasn't all, you know, puppy dogs and uh, rainbows, you know. There's no doubt that that's the case. So we've got about another 12 to 15 minutes left on the show. And so we are going to be able to take questions if you want to. You better type them in quickly. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, type them in. We'll put them on the screen like Derek did here. Now, Garland, when you, before you came back on uh, and I was talking by myself, uh, one of the things that I was talking about was the offensive line. And now, look, I've been on Andrews Pete a lot. Okay, I've been on on his butt for the past well longer than the past sixteen days, but he's been out of out of out of work for sixteen seventeen days now. Just because he was in uniform yesterday means nothing to me. Until he starts practicing and gets in a game, I don't care that he's wearing his jersey. It means absolutely nothing to me. So my point was, if he can't play, even if he doesn't start, that's okay. But the point is, if he can't play at all, you're stuck with Hurst at left guard starting and playing there all the time, and he's your most versatile offensive lineman. So, which means you're forced into Trevor Penning having to be your left tackle no matter what, even if he completely stinks or whatever. So we have a question from Derek. I want you to answer this one. Uh, it is, if I can get it to a man, I have all the issues this morning. So what are the Saints' options on the O-line if Hurst is quote-unquote stuck? May That might not be the right word. But at left guard, what veteran free agents are available that the Saints could possibly sign? Are there any? I heard this morning, all right, the Jets are now looking for offensive linemen. So to me, offensive linemen is one of those positions where everyone's looking for an offensive lineman. It's not like you just go cherry pick one off the tree and say, okay, you come play for us now. No, I mean, and Landon Young uh, got hurt in the right. practice last Friday at, uh, at, at the Caesar Superdome. Uh, so that's a concern. And then, you know, Pete might be coming back soon. I mean, he was dressed out. Now, he didn't practice uh, uh, against the Chargers on Thursday, but at least he was dressed out. He's got to be getting closer, you know. But uh, as you alluded to, I think James Hurst right now is that starter, left guard. And, you know, you'd like to have Hurst kind of hit, uh, you know, kick around. You got Throckmorton. Throckmorton, right. You got Salivari, uh, who they like. You know, what the backup uh, center is, what, Max Perez. So, I think they're going to roll with the guys they got right now. Um, I think they have enough to build. Storm Norton, we didn't throw out there yet also. So they have like eight or nine guys um, that, that that I think they can rely on. I, I don't think they're going to go on the free agent mark right now and get an offensive lineman. I thought getting a running back was uh, a big deal because we didn't know how right. uh, what that injury was on Kendra Miller. But he was already back at practice. So, you know, uh, I mean, this kid, for, for, for him sitting out the national championship game with a, a major injury, you were really worried about this injury he suffered. Well, especially because it was the same injury. Yeah, no, no. So, I mean, it's huge that Kendra Miller's back, especially with, you know, Kamara is going to be out the first three games of the season. I was I was actually during the, the Saints preseason game last week, I was really worried that Jamal Williams was getting too much playing time. Like, we know right. what Jamal Williams is. I was like, dude, you need to get him out. Okay, like, you know, we know what he can get. Let's see more of Ellis Merriweather, you know. Is it uh, just know, to get him acclimated though to this offense? I think more than anything, probably. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I just know that you're starting running back in week one, you know, you, yeah. and I, I, you don't want to get him um, hit by too many defensive linemen that are over 300 pounds and landing on his leg awkwardly when you know he's the guy against the Tennessee Titans. Um, I, I, I'm more worried about like you know who, who's gonna if they're gonna be that third guy, and you know Daryl Williams, who uh, I covered at John Aaron and I covered right. at LSU. Uh, I mean, dude, I never forget going to the John Aaron weight room. And, I mean, just an absolute beast on the weights. I, I, I knew this guy was going to be a stud in high school. 2,000 yards. He was, he was fantastic, 
for the John era Patriots. Um, and, he and was we one of those guys that was unsung because he he was the same. His senior class was the same as Leonard Fournette. Correct. So kind of got lost in the shuffle. Um, yeah. And, and when I interviewed him in high school, I think he knew that. And and then he went to LSU behind Fournette again. And I he think was a quiet. He's a quiet, unassuming guy, which is right. But I could tell even when I was interviewing him in high school, I could tell it worked on him a little that you know Leonard, uh, you know. He, he didn't say it, but I could kind of, uh, you know, underline that, hey, he was saying, hey, I'm really I'm really good, too, by right. the way. Okay, I, I know Leonard. I, hey, I respect Leonard Fournette. He's doing well. And, and this is just me reading between the lines when I interviewed him uh, in high school. But he was a really strong running back. And uh, I know we've talked about it before, and, and you do a VSN, and I, I posted just uh, recently, um, you know, uh, we love covering high school football because we get to see these kids you know, before they become who they are. I posted today, you know, we're two weeks away from Fox 8 Football Friday. And I I had a picture that I posted on Instagram and Twitter today. It's me and Jamar Chase at his national signing day, bright-eyed kid with his LSU hat on and everything. And now he's the number one receiver or number two. You're a big Justin Jefferson guy in the NFL. And Either way, either way, you got Rubble and Destran as the top two receivers in the National Football League. To to get a soundbite out of Jamar Chase in high school, Rumble was extremely do he was a very quiet kid and so it, it's really fun uh, i know you feel the same way it's really fun to cover these kids in high school because uh extremely quiet kids and all of a sudden they explode on the college and high in the, in the nfl and they're way more outgoing now because jamar chase in high school was very quiet but he was a silent assassin because he could kill him chandler fields and him had a good rapport in high school there and uh he was fantastic so two weeks away uh, I, I'm sure you're going to be. Uh, you got your game for Week One on VSN. Shaw St. Charles. Oh, you're going back to your old hood. Very. Yeah, nice. I'm actually uh, do. I'm going to be be the voice of the Shaw Eagles this year. I'm doing all seven of their home games on VSN. So oh, the, th- wow. the, the three weeks that they're on the road, we, we we will be doing other games. We're doing Week Two. We're doing uh, Lake Sh- Lake Shore and Chalmette, and uh, Week Six and Week Nine. I have not confirmed, so I don't want to say on the air yet, but. Okay. I am going to be the uh, the voice of the of my alma mater, the the Archbishop Shaw Eagles this year. They well, play Rumble and we at home in week three. So, oh, uh, the battle for the megaphone. Yeah, uh, that, that's yeah. always a big one. Hey, sh- I know I know we're not going to delve. I mean, go all the way deep into this high uh, school football, but I think I think your alma mater is going to have a strong team this year. That week one game against St. Charles Catholic is going to tell me a lot about their upcoming season. I agree. I think it's going to be very interesting, and I am absolutely looking forward to it. And I love Wayne Stein. So uh, as much as I as I'm a fan of my alma mater, obviously, and uh, just thrilled to be the the TV voice of the Shaw Eagles. Um, I have a lot of appreciation for Wayne Stein and always have. And the defending, uh, what, what is it? Division two, division three, a division three, three champ. select champs. Uh, yeah. Shaw's in the division two and, and Shaw that's make, right. might make a run in division two to the dome. You know, they got a good team. And they got a shot. Yeah. Division two is not as strong. So, uh, they can definitely, uh, have a shot there. I know STM St. Thomas Moore is always in the mix. De La Salle, you high, you know, you high played in division three last year, but we, uh, we, we may do a high, a one show about high schools on datitude. Maybe we'll, we'll see yeah. how it goes. Hey, 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 I, Hey, you know me. I mean, I'd say put... Friday's awesome by the way. And I'm not just blowing smoke cause Garland's on the air. Um, <laughs> uh, seriously. Uh, you know, there's another show that everybody, like likes to talk about in their season, whatever. Like, yeah. you know, I was a I was a young guy when that first came on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but Fox Eight Friday, people should watch it. It's it's I DVR both of them, and I yeah. watch I watch Fox Eight Friday first. Yeah, 
Hey, we, well, you know, we come on at 10.35, you know, we're, we're 30 minutes ahead of a lot of the others, and uh, it's a 30-minute show, it's fast, it's, it's, it's fast-paced, and, you know, we, we love, I mean, hey, we're the home of the New Orleans Saints, you know, we have a lot of those games, yeah. but we are hardcore in uh, LSU, Tulane, and I'm also in a high school football, heck, I was at uh, Hammond America uh, two days ago, and I, I think I posted the story on my Twitter this morning and it's on foxalive.com. I mean, I was at Southeastern talking to Frank Selfo about their top 25 teams. So football is so rich in this area between high school, college, and pro that uh, there's never a dull, dull moment uh, in this industry. So I'm, you know, Sean Fazan is in California. Yep. So I'm doing a little college. I did, uh, I got Michael Turner Jr. I got a story on him today. He's a wide receiver from John Curtis. He had a touchdown the other day, Jim. I don't know if you saw it on my, on my, on my Twitter. But uh, or as I guess it's X now, whatever you want to say. X, what I don't care. Yeah, I still call it Twitter. If you haven't check it out, Michael Turner Jr. had a catch the other day. It's going to be in my story today. It's going to air like about five forty-five, five fifty on Fox Day today. Dude, he is insanely fast. LSU is getting an absolute burner. Um, he's a great kid. But that story is airing today. I was I'm working on that right now. Well, that is a great segue because I do, and I'm look. I want before I let you go. I may bring up the 27 to 28 media members thing. I kind of talked a little bit about it before you you got on, but I want to talk about LSU in this Florida State game. And to me, I don't think people realize the importance of this game. It's not just your regular everyday uh, first game of the year pre-conference game. Look, it was big last year, but I don't think anyone knew how good LSU could be last year. I don't think anyone was expecting them to be as good as they were. But people are expecting a lot out of this LSU team this year. People, I mean, there's a reason why Jaden Daniels is one of the top Heisman candidates. Because if LSU goes 11-1 and in the regular season, he's going to have a chance to be, a really good chance to be the Heisman winner. But LSU-Florida State, to me, these are two teams, again, I think both of them, when all is said and done, could be in the top five or at least top eight. They're both in the top eight right now. What do you make of this game? What is this contest? I think it's going to be high scoring. Yeah, I mean, LSU's at only a two-point favorite in this contest. This game could go either way. Uh, I think I have Florida State uh, in my AP poll, I think either six or seven. So I got them right behind LSU. Um, this LSU team is, I mean, is, is really good on offense. I, I'm just, as I, I pointed out a little while ago, I'm really worried about their secondary, especially the cornerback position. And Jordan Travis, like, picked apart that secondary last year. Um, Mason Smith, you hope he plays more than five plays this time around. Though, but he's been hurt during camp. Uh, he's been in and out. You gotta, you know, you gotta put that guy in bubble wrap uh, right. until the until this game in, in two and a half weeks because uh, you don't you don't need that guy uh, not out there. So uh, yeah, that that'll be big. Um, it's gonna be a really close game. I think also I will be in Orlando for this opener. I can't wait. Um, it, it it this could set up everything. If, if, like you said, if LSU can win this game. I mean, it's a rocket ship. They can start rolling through teams. Um, I don't think Alabama. I know you don't think Alabama's good. I, I know I posted that that clip on uh, Twitter that I you said they could, be, they could be an eight or seven win team. Nick Saban could be gone. I cannot wait to repost that video later in the season. Either you're going to be right or you're going to be wrong. But either way, I'm going to be like Jim Derry in August said this. I'm gonna if I, if Nick Saban is not the coach if he steps down or well, he's not gonna be fired, whatever if he's forced out or leaves or whatever it is if he's not the coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide let's say January the 10th I'm gonna make I'm gonna re- go back and find it and, and retweet it or whatever it is. 
Oh, I'll tell you where it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I got you back, dude. I, I, I got it on there. You know, it's very easy to find old clips on Twitter. So, yeah, yeah, I got, I got you on that one. But, yeah, th- this game is going to be great. Uh, I know we're only eight days away from week zero. I never been more excited for a Notre Dame Navy game in my life. But, oh, but you're a diehard. That's sick. Well, next, ne- hey, I mean, you remember the the first game of week zero last year? What it was? No. It was it was Nebraska Northwestern. Okay, and I remember it was tight. That's all I remember. Yeah, it, that was Northwestern's two bad only, teams. It was Northwestern's only one in the season. But you know what? I was at uh, Cooter Browns uptown. The place was jam packed. Because it was the first game of the college football season. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going next Saturday for the game, but I will be in New Orleans and I'm actually off next Saturday. So I will be watching that game somewhere with the crew because can, it's a kickoff season. It's a yeah. celebration. I can tell you it's my last Saturday fully off until probably December or something. So I'm pretty sure I probably won't be watching a ton of college football that day. I mean, look, I got uh, a wife and two girls at home that don't give a rat's ass about college football so i'm probably gonna go off and do i mean i'm just being honest so but yeah. if, if i if i force you to make a prediction right now because uh, i want to talk about Tulane for two minutes before we okay. before we go but if i force you to make a prediction about lsu florida state because i'm probably not gonna have you on i'm, I'm almost definitely not gonna have you on again for this game i yeah i put you on the spot who you like lsu florida state after what happened last year, I think LSU fights back. You got to think about this: the whole every coach on offense is back, and they've had Jaden Daniels for another year in the system. I think LSU wins this game. Um, I think last year you could tell. I mean, it was the first time this team got together. Uh, it was a lot different uh, for Jaden Daniels and this team. They got a year in the system. Jaden Daniels getting a lot of Heisman publicity this season. I think he has an offensive line that is now a veteran offensive line. Will Campbell, Emory Jones, another year in the system. Um, I, I like the receivers. Malik Neighbors, you know, oh. is yeah. I, I've, He's I've been take to, a big step this year, Malik Neighbors. Yeah, I've been to three training camp practices, and every single one he has an absolutely sick catch. Yeah. And then the other guy, you know, I know you covered him. I know I covered him since his freshman year. Aaron Anderson's putting guys. Oh, yeah. in a, He's putting players in a blender practice each day. Um, he looks great. And the key is also, Jim, is that he's doing. Uh, punt return and kick return, which was an absolute disaster last year for LSU. He yep. can lock in both of those. He's five nine anyway. Yeah, he's five nine one eighty, and he is an absolute speedster. That's another huge key. So I'm putting all this together, putting a bow on it. I, I think that LSU wins this game in Orlando on Labor Day weekend. Yeah, and I'm not ready to give my prediction yet, but I will say this about Aaron Anderson. Um, I've been in this gig for 33 years doing all kinds of different jobs. And Aaron Anderson might be the best high school return man that I've ever seen. And that's saying something because there have been a lot of really good ones. So uh, the fact that he's back there for LSU, I think you're going to see some real excitement uh, this season with, I don't know if he still wears number four or not. Does he? What does he wear? Now? Well, no, Uno. Number one. He's wearing number, number one, one now. Yeah, he's number one now. I shot a bunch of video of him the other day. Yeah, you talk about it. Uh, my Aaron Anderson moment, um, the first time I covered Carr was in week three of his his freshman year. Yeah. And he took right. a kickback against Landry for 80 yards. And I remember looking at the roster. I'm looking at it. And exactly. I'm like, and I'm like Aaron Anderson, and it says freshman. I'm like, this must be a misprint. I went up exactly. to one of the co- I went up to one of the coaches for Edna Carr. And I'm like, hey, this isn't right. I mean, this dude ain't a freshman, right? He's like, nope, Aaron Anderson. He's a freshman, and that yeah. was my oh my god moment. And yet that was that was his freshman year. And then yeah, Bryce talked about Aaron Anderson before I even saw him. Bryce Brown, the coach of of 
of Edna Carr. He was t- telling me about Aaron Anderson before I ever laid eyes on the dude. And, you know, coaches like to lay this hyperbole on, on guys, but uh, he was right. And the same as Hank telling me about T.J. Finley, and I know T.J. has, has been a bit of a disappointment in college, but. Hey, he, he's, he's, he's getting a, a new start at Texas State, you know. This I hope is his he gets third a stop. Re- I hope he gets a real chance. I, yeah, I really no. Don't. No, I'm keeping track of that one. I, I, I'm, I, his uh, little brother, Cody Finley, uh, it plays receiver uh, tight end at, uh, at, at SLU. Yeah. So I, talk, I talked to Cody the other day for a minute. So, uh, you know, I, Finley family's always been really good with Wonderful me, so. family. Yeah. One, a model family, I would, I would even say. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see what he does at Texas State. All right, Tulane Green Wave. Now, when the poll came out this week and they were number 24, I was really surprised. Um, I got to say, I mean, I don't vote, so I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm intrigued to know where you put Tulane in your poll because I thought coming off of a ninth ranking last year, now I'm not saying they should have been number nine. You lose Tajay and you lose a couple guys on defense, but for the most part, their offensive line comes back intact for the most part. I think they still have a solid backfield, Receivers that can scare you, and Michael Pratt comes back. So I would put him somewhere around 15. Why was this Tulane team so low, and where did you put him in your rankings? So uh, they what they they start at 24 in the AP poll. I actually have him at 17. Um, right around where I would put him. And and I wasn't even the highest. I went back and looked. There's uh, one of the voters had uh, Tulane at 15. So I wasn't the highest. Wasn't they had they had a lot of voters that had Tulane not even in the top 25. Okay, that's so, insane. Yeah, well, if Michael Pratt wasn't back, I'd have trouble with putting in the top Okay, fair enough. But but Michael Pratt's back. Four of their five starters in the offensive line are back. You got Shoddy Clayton Johnson, Iverson Celestine, and then Arnold Shoddy Clayton, another high school stud that we watched. Yeah, Shoddy Clayton Johnson killed it at Warren Easton. You covered Iverson Celestine at Fountain Blue High. And and then uh, now we have Arnold Barnes in there from Booker T. Washington, who is, uh, was a really strong running back last year in high school. And then you still got Jaquan Jackson from Hallville yep. and, and Lawrence Keyes, uh, who came from Notre Dame with the Mac 35, 35 in high school. Yeah. yeah, so they got a lot of weapons on offense. So I'm rolling with this team. You know, I didn't even then, realize Lawrence Keyes was still playing. It seems, he, like, it seems like it was at Mac 35 like 10 years ago. Lawrence Keyes is still playing for the Tulane Green Wave. Yeah, he's one of, and, and one of the Watts twins. I can't wow. remember which one. Okay. Either. One of them's still there. I don't know. It's Deuce or Fat. I get them mixed up all the time. Yeah. One of the Watts twins is there. Uh, the, the tight end uh, that, that caught the winning catch again in the Cotton Bowl, he is no doubt still there. He's a youngster. So so, uh, so it, why are they not higher? I mean, uh, 17 sounds good, but I, I might even have them a little higher. Why is the national media just, like, dissing on Tulane? Uh, they're the only – get this, Jim. They're the only group of five team that's in the AP Top 25. So, you know, uh, that. so I thought that was a little surprising also. Yeah, I did say that's that, actually. You know, and then when it comes to the AAC, the preseason poll, UTSA is right up there also, right behind Tulane. Well, you know, we're going to figure it out, uh, figure it out all early, Jim, because they host uh, South Al. They're going to beat Ole Miss. Okay. No, oh, all, right. Ole Miss. all right. Have me on final bet that week. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. Because they, but they're only a touchdown favorite over South Alabama in week one. I think South Alabama has a strong team. But week two, they're a touchdown underdog. The Rebs come to New Orleans. I mean, dude, I've talked to a lot of Ole Miss fans, and they figured out a way around this ticket situation. Yeah. They bought they bought season tickets, and they figured out that this if you buy a season ticket, it's almost cheaper than going and, and, and buying, like, just single games, like, on one of the secondary markets. Oh, so a lot of people. Chicken. That's chicken. Well, you so know now, I don't usually say this word on my podcast, but I don't care. That's chicken shit. 
Yeah, no, yeah, no yeah, that, it is. the Ole Miss fans want to get into this game. Typical um, Ole Miss. They don't uh, care about the two of this, this <laughs> season ticket thing for Tulane. Well, maybe maybe the Ole Miss fans Screw will do filling up Yeoman Stadium for the other games. We don't care about Tulane. Maybe the Ole Miss fans will do a solid. They'll bring their ticket books to the Ole Miss Tulane game and leave them outside the right. gate like the re- the rest of the season tickets so they can like redisperse them. So so I don't know what the South uh, Alabama game is going to look like now because I think a lot of Ole Miss fans are buying season tickets up. Uh, but that game's going to be a sellout. Um, but that's, I mean, Quinshawn. I wish you wouldn't have told me that. That you know, I don't. I I really, Ole Miss and Alabama are the two colleges that I just can't stand. Hey, don't I'm, shoot I'm, the I'm, messenger. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously biased when it comes to picking against those two teams. So, you know, I would love nothing more than Saban to just fall flat on his face and probably any Alabama or Ole Miss fan out there watching or listening to the show just hit the stop button. But I don't give a damn. Uh, I'm, hey, I'm just telling you, don't shoot the messenger. I just know what, how Ole Miss fans want to be at that game, and that's what they're doing, you know? I, I'm here to report the news. You yeah, do, right. I report the news, you decide, okay? Okay, well, you know, this is an opinion-based show, and they can piss off. But that's a whole other story. Uh, I hope they keep listening, but still, they can piss off. All right, uh, let's. Uh, before I let you go, two quick things. First off, uh, you see the bottom line down there, 27 to 28 me- media members Again, oh, yeah. oh, here we go again. Graphic. Look at this graphic. Well, thank this you. Beautiful. We, we, we have been tr- tweaking our graphics here at Datitude, and I think we finally came up with something we like. Um, 27 of 28. Last year was 27 of 27. Uh, so you were one of those. So was I. So I don't know, what the, seven. Hell, I don't know yeah. what the hell I'm picking this year. So I haven't decided. But here we go again. Do we believe the local media hype train or not? So... I had one of your colleagues on Scott Kushner on Final uh-huh. Bet yesterday. Okay. Last okay. year, last year, um, he got into it with someone else on on Twitter. Names not to be said. Okay. About about Scott pointed out last year that every media member picked them to go over five hundred, and he Correct. said this isn't this doesn't look good for the Saints. Yeah. And then a little Twitter right. spat happened. And guess what? Scott Kusher was right. Okay. He was yeah. right. He's like, cause he was like, Hey, if everybody goes one way, I think the move is to go the other way, you know? hundred percent. And so this year, I mean, I got him going nine and eight and to be very honest, their over under win total is nine and a half. So I'm actually going under, uh, what the, you know, the speculation is, but I also pointed out when I, in Jeff Duncan's, uh, you know, column, I had him going nine and eight, but I said, that's good enough to win. The NFC South. The other reason why I had him going nine eight is because I think Derek Carr is a, a major upgrade over uh, Andy Dalton and uh, James. But what Winston. if he's on his backside for seventeen games? Well, I, I mean, O like line is ranked twenty eighth by PFF. Okay, I like the head of the Washington Commanders. I like I like New Orleans uh, offensive line. They're starting offensive line. If they don't right. have a bunch of injuries, they're good. I mean, that's a quality offensive line. I think Aaron McCoy is one of the better centers in the NFL. They, if they stay healthy, then, you know, I mean, big F, stay healthy. Right. But, um, no, I, I like what Derek Carr, um, you know, has, and I like the weapons he has. So so, I, so you're saying that it doesn't bother you. You're not going to let that bother you at all that everybody and their grandma is picking the Saints again. Well, they did it last year, and right. we, were all, we were all wrong. Right, so you're going to do it again this year. I think, I think a lot of us were all wrong last year, though. I mean, I, there's no way I saw them going 7-10. and 10. I mean, Jameis Winston got hurt. And then everything went, went sideways. So um, well, I mean, you look at this schedule right here. Okay, Tennessee at Carolina at Green Green Bay, fine. Tampa Bay, but four of the first six games on the road is a little worrisome, just a little bit worrisome. And then the Thursday night game against Jacksonville. So if they could get a really good start, 
I don't see how you can't like them because I think then they go through a stretch where they should win a bunch of games. Um, but, man, if if they can't – I don't know, man. If they don't get a hot start, I think it's really going to be a problem. Yeah, no, it, 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 they, the, week one, I mean, Tennessee is a, a really good team. Um, yeah. you know, they're only three point favorites in that game. So, um, I, I think, I think that they can get off to a, a sharp start. Now, week two might be a little troublesome. I think that Bryce Young sooner or later is going to figure it out. So we'll see against Carolina and the rest of those guys. Uh, week three, Green Bay. I think Jordan is, Love's going to be better than, than people think. Yeah, everybody's on the Jordan Love uh, train already. Not which everybody. I find, I find hysterical. Now, week four, they should absolutely smoke the Tampa Bay Bucks. So, yeah. Um, I, I think they can get off to a, three and think, one. That's possible. I, I think they. I think they get off the three and one start. So. If they start three and one, then that's definitely a, a great plus going in the direction they need to go. Potential ten wins. If they can go three and one and start three and one, that gives them a, a great chance to do that. I don't think they're going to start three and one. That doesn't mean I don't think they're going to. That I'm making a prediction on the over under yet. I just don't think they're going to start three and one. I'm here to yeah. say that. So. No. But my prediction will come out on September eighth and whatever. We'll, there we'll you talk go. about that. All right. Before I let you go, the absolute last thing I want to talk about what I've been. So I am in week number four of my NFL team previews on bet.nola.com. Okay, and so All I'm right. going division by division. I'm doing a team a day, Tuesday through Friday, for seven weeks. One week we're doing, we've got two divisions in a week because I started late because I went on vacation. But anyway, so this week was the NFC East. So what I've been doing with my guests is having them grade my picks. Okay, right. so here are my NFC East picks. Washington Commanders were up today. They just went up this morning. If you want to go check them out, you can find them on bet.nola.com or any wherever you're watching this, you can find them all in the same place there as well. They're all easy to find. So here's my thinking on the Philadelphia Eagles being behind the Cowboys. I the Cowboys 12 and 5, two years in a row. I think they're yeah. good to go to go that same record again. I am worried about the Eagles for a couple reasons. I think right. that they overachieved last week last year and had just a super, super easy schedule which kind of helped them kind of overachieve a little bit. I think they're going to take a step back. Losing both their coordinators, I think, is also a big deal. Their offensive line has had a couple changes, and they have uh, an injury at left tackle right now that concerns me. I don't know that they're going to be the number one offensive line again. So enough concerns about Philadelphia for me to have them take a step back. And then the Giants, I just don't like their schedule. I don't like the mess with Saquon, the reason why I have them fourth. I just... I think they're a mess in waiting. I'm not saying Brian Dable is going to get fired. I know he was a coach of the year last year, but I think they way overachieved and their schedule is super tough. So that's my reasoning for where I have this stuff. You tell me what you think. All right. I think the Eagles are going to win the division. Um, I think they'll go 12 and five. Uh, I think Jalen Hurts is a really strong quarterback. Uh, I'm a little more down on the Cowboys. I think they make the playoffs, which is fine. They'll, you know, they'll get the five seed. Um, I either 10 and seven or 11, six. Um, Sam Howell in Washington. By the way, I hope they change their name. I, the commander's name. I, that's a, Abs- that's it. Absolutely stinks. Like it is. One they need of, to go back to the Redskins. And yep, I said it. I said it on the air. I, it's out there. You can post it wherever you want. Garland's got his hands thrown up. He's I, I am staying out of this but one. <laughs> there was stories coming out this week that I, I don't know how to how to say it politely or whatever the correct term yeah. is that want the name to come back, and I think it should come back. 
I so, call them the Redskins when I'm not on the air, by the way. So Commanders is one of the worst nicknames ever. What I would you it, call them? The Generals? What would you call them? The, uh, the, the Capitals? The... Uh, I need to like do a little research there. Or would you come uh, up with some animal name? Would you say? Would you call them like the? I don't know the, the squirrels. I mean, they, what their offensive line was known as the hogs back in the eighties. Oh, that wouldn't be bad. Yeah, that the was their hogs. Nick, that was their nickname the in the eighties. The Washington Wild Hogs. Yeah, the hogs. <laughs> All right, we're getting off base here. Anyway, Sam Howell uh, is an okay quarterback. Six and eleven. I think you're right on cue with that one. New York, I think eight nine, um, or, or nine and eight. You, you think they're going to be that good? I mean, why, why do you why do you think New York's? I mean, that's what they were last year. But they again, they had. I think it was the thirty first easiest schedule in the in the league. By the way, the Eagles had the easiest schedule. In the I, league. I think I think Brian Dable is a really good coach. Um, I agree with you. And I think he he's made a great Daniel, coach too. And, he, and he made Daniel Jones a rich man, and made Saquon Barkley not a rich man. Um, right, you know? that's going to be a problem. Yeah, well, maybe can, one one's making forty million a year. And I'm one's making sense. eleven million a year. Yeah. There's a to me the wrong ones making the forty million a year. That's yeah, no, I I think that they have a shot to make the playoffs also as a wild okay. card. Uh, so you think their I, defense is good enough? I think. I mean, I like Kayvon Thibodeau, but I mean, dude, they're talking about Kayvon Thibodeau being the next like Lawrence Taylor. There, they're all in on Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, but uh, no, I think Washington stinks. Still, you know, along with their nickname, uh, is even worse. That they, they they don't make the playoffs at all. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think I think New York and Seattle will be fighting for that last uh, wild card playoff spot. You do okay. Well, that's yep. interesting. All right. Well, I'll see. I'm glad I asked you the question because I just you know, and I and I, I took the Giants' schedule off. I didn't want to fill up my my reservoir right. here on the right. But I tell you, when you go look at their schedule, there they have a recipe for disaster with the way that it's set up. They could yeah. start out. They they seriously could start out like one and six. Yeah, yeah. Which and and you know as well as I do, and to me it was the reason why as as much as Washington fought back last year and finished eight eight and one, uh, which was overachieving, they started out one and four last year, and it ended up being a a, a big problem spot. It, it got Carson Wentz out of a job that brought in Taylor Heineke. Uh, you know, I guess things got a little better, but you know, then they had, they played Sam Howell that last game of the year. Finally, they by the way they they did officially name him. The starting quarterback yeah, yeah. this morning or last night. So, uh, yeah. but I don't I don't know that Sam Howell's the answer. But I don't know. To me, if you start off, if you have a rough start to the season, hence going back to the Saints, why I think they need to be three and one, or they need to at least be like four and two and get yeah. it, get that momentum going. I think it's just so hard if you don't start fast. Yeah. No, I'm with I'm with you, and um, I, I think the Eagles will start fast. The Cowboys, I'm okay. sure they're going to have they're going to Cowboys are going to have some problems no matter what. It's just Dallas. It's a it's a it's a roller coaster right. ride. Um, I think Dak Prescott's maybe like out of the, is a uh, not a top ten quarterback. I think he's right on the next little tier right there. Right, I think Derek Carr and Dak are like on the same wavelength. You're, so. you're just having a North Louisiana bias. He's from hot and high. Yeah, yeah. No, mm. no. I just yeah. I'm not as I'm not as in on the Cowboys as a lot of people are. So okay. there you go. I think there. I think the Cowboys O line, by the way, and I know it's blasphemous to to people to some people in the Northeast that you know we have people watching from all over. I think Dallas's offensive line could be better than Philadelphia's when yeah. all it's said and done. Yeah. Uh, and they have you know the weapons and C.D. Lamb and Tony Powell are going to stay healthy and they have all, I mean they have a lot of weapons too. We'll see, but can Dak get them there? All right, man. Uh, any any special 
bet you got going on or anything? Any what is like? What is your bet of the week? I missed the show last night. I was working. I got. Right, I got one in the morning. What is your What is your bet of the week? I got Women's World Cup. It's on Fox Eight at five a.m. on Sunday morning. I got England. The Lionesses are going against Spain. I got them to lift the trophy. Don't bet them to win. You got to bet them to lift the trophy. Which right, could, they, could be a draw technically. At the right, time. right. You, you got that's going through regulation, extra time, added time, penalty kicks, lift the trophy. I'm going with the Lionesses. What is the number at that on that? It it is. Ooh, it's like it's like minus one hundred five. It's okay. It's, it, yeah, you know, Spain. Spain is actually they're they're like even Stephen in this betting right now. Okay. I think I think England last time out beat Australia in Australia. Two to one. So I'm going with uh, England uh, in the Women's World Cup. That's my bet of the week. Because the week before, I had Manchester City smoking Burnley. And sure enough, Manchester City smoked Burnley. So our, got our, England on Sunday. Our Women's World Cup expert, Zoe Collins-Rath, who's on vacation right now, is wonderful producer at bet.nola.com. She said before the Americans got knocked out that she liked England okay. to win the whole thing. So I got to give her credit. She's, there you she go. said it a while back. and. So if you're saying that that is your bet of the week, I fully endorse roll it. Roll with it. I know nothing about soccer, so I'm going to roll with it. All right. You got it, bud. Garland Gillen, thank you so much for fighting through the mess, <laughs> the muck and the mire. Hey, you got to see the studio at Fox State. Look at this, baby. I got, you know, I'll, look at this. I mean, I got you out here, baby. I, I'm you up did. in here. I got Nikondra's probably hate me. I've been in here for like say, an hour. I was probably like, shut yeah, Nikondra, the hell up. Nikondra's right there. Like, she's... She's like, you know, she's like, she's shut like, up, God. I'm leaving the Condra. I'm, I'm sorry. I've been, you know, she's got work to do. She's probably got <laughs> taped some recordings, and I'm sitting here yapping for oh, about man. like 45 minutes. So, uh, I, yeah, I'm gonna bid adieu so I can let the Condra get back to her. You know, ten seconds. Ask her real quick. When is this hundred crap gonna end? The what? The hundred degree crap. When is this? Oh. End? Uh, Nicondra, this is uh, live on podcast. When is a hundred degree uh, uh, weather gonna end? Another week? Uh, from here. Yeah. Uh, nope. <laughs> we get like, a little bit of a break on Monday with the uh, little wave coming by. If we get enough clouds, if we don't get enough clouds and rain, forget that, and then it lasts right through the end of next week. So uh-huh. maybe, well, maybe we'll get out of the hundreds at the end of next week, maybe two weeks from now. We'll see. We'll see. All hey, right. that's always smart. That's we'll good. see. I love yeah. the meteorologist. I wanted to. I should have been a meteorologist. Man, I mean, you got a weather cast. You got betting odds. Awesome. Man. I, this I'm, is I'm, the greatest I'm, podcast on the planet. I'm dropping the mic and walking out the room here. So, <laughs> Garland Gillen and the Condra Norwood here. What a weird ending. I know it's. It wasn't actually a very good segue there at the at the end. That's okay. Garland had to run. The Condra wanted him out of the studio. And in case, like giving you. I don't know if, well, I know it's this way at a lot of studios. I've only really been uh, to Channel 4 and Channel 8, done shows there. And Channel 4 is the same way. Uh, the weather people work in the, in the studio for the most part. They, I know at Fox 8 they have their own offices, but they do all the work. All the computer stuff is right there at the edge of the studio. So that's where they're working. And uh, they probably didn't want to hear Garland talk for 45 minutes. but So... At least we got Nicondra on the show. I, you know, maybe we'll have her on for a full segment, and she can tell us why it's a hundred degrees every freaking day. It's hot, man. I mean, look, I talked about the summer of 1980, and this one might be hotter. Um, summer of it, if I can remember a summer in the year from 43 years ago, and I was 12 years old, or almost 12 years old. Then you know it was hot. 
Um, the summer of 2023, I think, is going to stick out in my mind, too. There are two summers as far as weather go. I'm not talking about hurricanes or one event that I remember. You remember Katrina was in 05. Uh, you're going to remember Ida was in 2021. You can go back and talk about different hurricanes and what year they were. Betsy was, what, 66? Camille was 69. You go back and talk about certain events. But I'm talking about whole summers, whole seasons. And I think that the summer of 2023 is up there with 1980, and it may surpass it. Because now we might get a little respite like Monday or Tuesday because there's some tropical storm that's going to be in the Gulf. And then who knows? It might be 100 until like September the 28th. Dude, what the hell? So in closing out the show, I mean, it had to be some kind of summer song, but I wanted to be positive because, you know, I get called Derry Downer and, you know, people think I you're, you're hating on the Saints. You want them to lose. I don't want the Saints to lose. Born and raised here. I grew up wearing black and gold. I still have half my damn closet is black and gold because when I'm not working, I'm wearing the, the crap. So don't tell me I'm downer and I hope the Saints lose. I don't hope the Saints lose. It's much better for the show, by the way, if they win. I mean, I think it is anyway. At least for the course of a season, it's better. It may be better for one show if they lose in some really disgusting way and people want to hear how I'm going to spin my dime the next day. Um, but for the most part, it's better for all of us if the Saints win, right? So I wanted to be positive going out today, and I was thinking, you know what? Let me give some positive summer song, and it was this one. I mean, it's Kid Rock. He's just fun anyway, all summer long. I, my favorite part of the song is at some point he said he starts talking about things they didn't have. Didn't have no internets. Remember back when we didn't have any internets? Life was a lot simpler then. I, I said we were going out positive, and by God, we are. Next week. I have no idea who's going to be on the show, um, but it's going to be fun, by God. It is the last show that I will ever do before I turn 55 years old. That's right. My birthday is coming up on Katrina Day. Yeah. 30, turning 37 was a lot of fun, but not as much fun as this podcast. We will see you next Friday. Everybody had a great have a great weekend. Enjoy Saints Chargers. Preseason game number two on Sunday. And we will talk to you next week on Bayou Bets. And back here in Datitude next Friday. Peace and love, my friends. Not thinking about tomorrow. Singing sweet home Alabama all summer long. Singing sweet home Alabama all summer long. The sun we couldn't wait for night to come to him.